Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Well, after a long and wonderful break, I'm so happy to be back to recording. I've missed interacting with all of you listeners, and I'm just really excited about the lineup that I've put together for you for the rest of season three. And I have a really special guest on today. I have a feeling the topic we're going to discuss will resonate with so many of you. But before we get started, I just want to remind you that as a listener of the podcast, Faithful Counseling, my podcast sponsor, is continuing to offer you 10% off of their online counseling services when you use my code at faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy. I think we would all agree that 2020 forced us to deal with a lot of difficult things and maybe some past hurts or issues that were never dealt with have risen to the surface for you. As I've said many times, quality biblical counseling can be such a help when you are struggling, when you need direction, or especially if you feel stuck or unable to move forward with a hard situation in your life. Getting professional help from a licensed therapist can be such a powerful tool as we fight for joy. As I've said, it has certainly helped me and my family, and I'm thankful I can offer this help to you too. You can find more information in my show notes, or as always, you are welcome to send me a message on Instagram or email me directly at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Okay, now let's get to today's episode. My guest for this conversation is Sarah Waddell. Sarah lives here in Nebraska as well, and she's actually my cousin. It was such a blessing to grow up with a cousin so close in age. We have so many fun memories together, and it's just super special when a cousin is also a really good friend. But I didn't ask her to be a guest today because of our family connection. I wanted her to come on because of the conversations that she and I have had over the years about faith, family, friendships, struggles in life, and fighting for joy. I always learn from her insight. I'm always encouraged by her faith, and I'm proud of her realness and vulnerability and how she is willing to talk about some of the harder things in life. And today is no exception. The topic that we cover today is perfectionism. And you're going to love hearing her heart as she shares about the struggles that she has dealt with trying to be quote unquote perfect. God has been teaching her so much as she has worked to break free of this and her fight for joy in the midst of it will spur you on to keep fighting for joy yourself in whatever struggles that you are facing. I'm so glad you found the Fighting for Joy podcast today. Here is my conversation with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for being on this episode with me today. Hi, Jody. It is a joy to be here and to chat with you today. Yes. Well, I have been excited about this. Um, for those of you listening, Sarah is my cousin. Her, her mom and my dad are brother and sister. And so we spent a lot of fun time together growing up and our hearts have just always kind of been knit together in a special way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was fun. We were, you know, we're close in age. We both love to laugh. We both love music. There were so many fun things that tied us together as we were growing up. And, and really, as we've gotten older, I mean, I don't just consider you family, but you've also just um, become a friend, a dear friend. And I always love when we can get together and get caught up and definitely not as often as I wish it was since we live about three hours away from each other. But I'm always thankful um, for the way that we can just jump right back into each other's lives and pick up where we left off the last time we were together. 
Yes, absolutely. I feel the same way. I feel like we can just dive on into a conversation and just catch up. And um, yeah, I just have such fond memories doing dishes with you and having <laughs> sleepovers yeah, and I know. playing house in the camper. <laughs> yes, yes. Time at the farm. I mean, so many fun memories. And um you know, just and now I like one of my favorite things to do with you now is Marco Polo. I love when we can do that and leave little video messages and hear about our lives now. Yes, definitely. Really that is so, so encouraging. And it's yeah, it's great just to get little snippets of what's going on to keep in touch. Yeah, well, I like I said, I've been very excited about having you on the podcast. I've been thinking a lot about this topic that we're going to cover. But before we get into that, I just want to begin by having you tell my listeners just a little bit about who you are. I mean, besides being my cousin, um, <laughs> just share a little bit about yourself. Sure, absolutely. My name is Sarah Waddell. And in 2020, my high school sweetheart, Jerry and I celebrated our 25th anniversary. Mm -hmm. We've got two girls in college. Our oldest is a senior at a Christian college in Kansas. And our youngest is a sophomore at a Christian college in Arkansas. And we love spending time together as a family, playing games, watching movies, traveling, sightseeing, um, eating together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've lived in Kearney um, for 17 years. And I've also lived in Holdridge, Lincoln, North Platte, and Bellevue. So we've kind of done the tour of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And um, just as far as what I've done, um, I taught fifth grade for two years and career education for two years. And then I stayed at home when my girls were littles. Um, and then for the past 16 years, I've been the children's ministry director and little beginnings preschool director at our church. Wow. I didn't realize that's been 16 years you've been doing that. <laughs> yes, I didn't either till I added it up. <laughs> wow. Wow. So you jumped into that right after you guys got out there to Kearney then. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Good, good. Well, yes, a full a full life with your girls. They keep you busy too. And you guys are a tight family. I love, um, I'm following your girls on Instagram. So I get to know them too through just the different things that they post about your family and their different activities. And um, it's a different season when we have young adults versus <laughs> kids oh, in the home, for sure. <laughs> Whole different season. Yeah. Yep. Well, we both um, we both grew up in Christian homes. I mean, faith was, you know, and it still is a big part of just our family as a whole, both our family yes. of origin as well as our immediate families now with our husbands and our kids. And um, but with that, I would love to have you share just a little bit about what your personal faith experience has been like. You know, the, the Christian faith is such a journey. And I just I love getting glimpses into what the journey has been like for different people, because I feel like that is such a great way to learn more, not just about other people, but about God, just about how big he mm -hmm. is and yet how personal he is. And when we hear testimony of his work in the lives of others, we just, we see more of him. So I'd love to just start this conversation and jump in by having you share a little bit about what it's been like for you to walk with God over the years. Yeah, sure. Um, like you said, I grew up in a Christian home um, and I grew up in a young Christian home mm -hmm. as um, my, both of my parents trusted Christ as their savior when I was one. And mm -hmm. so I feel like we all kind of grew up in our faith together, which mm -hmm. um, was really cool. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I, I loved church. I loved learning about Jesus. I loved serving. I loved God's people. Um, but then when I was in seventh grade, we moved from Holdridge to Lincoln. And that was a period of my life where I really kind of struggled spiritually and emotionally, just trying to 
fit in and find friends. Um, you know, just where do I belong? Who mm-hmm. am I? <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of things that mm-hmm. you um, go through in junior high. Um, but with the love and support of my parents, and you were a big part of my life um, during that time mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there were just some ladies also in our junior high and senior high youth group that those people came along side me um, and just really were pointing me to Jesus in many, many different ways um, where I was just able to kind of overcome some of my doubts of God's love for me and just the gift of salvation. Mm. Um, You know, just recognizing as Romans tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I knew I was a sinner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, I do and say and and, uh, think things that fall short of God's glory. Um, I also know that the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that is separation from God. And I knew that's where I was headed. And, um, but then the good news is, is Mm -hmm. that Christ came and died on the cross for us. Romans also says God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, you know what, I was pretty much, I couldn't do anything on my own. I needed a savior. I needed Christ. And so I repented from my sin and trusted Jesus as my savior. Hmm. Um, During college, I really began to kind of dive into scripture and grow in my faith. Um, And although as a kid, I learned all the Bible stories and I don't think it was really until those adult, young adult years that I made sense that there's a bigger picture of the Bible that I hadn't seen. I hadn't understood Hmm. at that time um, that the Bible's word that the Bible is God's word to us about his redemption plan. Um, I think I was always reading the Bible to look to see what can I get out of it? What does God want to tell me? You know, what is God's will for me? What does he want me to do? And I made it a lot about me. Um, In our preschool truth expedition class, we have a curriculum that invites our little little people to read the Bible um, with three questions in mind. And those questions are, who is God? What is God like and how should I act towards God? Hmm. And so I started reading my Bible that way with those questions in mind, um, looking about, okay, who is God? You know, what are his attributes and his character and um, how should I respond to him because of who he is and his character? Hmm. And, um, you know, just understanding that the Bible is about God's creation and God's plans for lost sinners to come to him in God redeeming and restoring his creation Hmm. and understanding that, you know, a lot of times I'm seeking God's will because I'm just wanting an answer, (laughs) but understanding that God's will is walking in his spirit and making his thoughts, my thoughts and his desires, my desires and his ways, my ways. And I'm not going to do that perfectly by any means. Um, but just understanding there is nothing better than Jesus. Hmm. And, um, yeah, so just time in his word and prayer and mm-hmm. um, just cultivating relationships um, mm-hmm. and gathering at church and serving have just been a huge part of my life. Mm. Wow, that just makes me so teary. It's so beautiful to just uh, hear God's work in your life. I love you so much. Oh, um, thanks, Joy. Yeah. <laughs> and I praise to God because, you know, like like I said, without him, I'm, I am dead. I am yeah. nothing. Yeah. And so... 
it is by his grace and mercy that he's pulled me out of that pit. Yeah. And, yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It's and his work. <laughs> it is. It is. And I think, um, you know, that's, uh, college was a big time of growth for me too. I think, you know, mm. growing up in a Christian home, I think when you step out of that safe, um, kind of environment and learn on your own and then, yeah, when you're in a position where you're teaching littles and um, there's just so much uh, growth that happens in the midst of that. And thank you for for walking us through all of that and integrating scripture throughout it. Um, just a beautiful picture of mm-hmm. what it looks like to have God um, kind of directing and, and uh, growing and maturing you over the years as you walk yeah. with him. Thank you. Definitely. Sure. Well, as you know, this this podcast is called Fighting for Joy. And just as a little side note, you have been such a big cheerleader for me um, with this podcast, Sarah. So thank you for that. You've really <laughs> encouraged me these last oh, couple of years. You have encouraged me and, and the people that you've had on speaking. Oh, my goodness, what a blessing. And, um, you know, I just I just love being pointed to Christ in that way. And so thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, the guests really have fallen into place in a really beautiful way. And it's usually God just kind of laying somebody on my heart. And that's exactly what happened with you, too. And um, just thought, I need to have Sarah on. I have no idea what we should talk about, but I want to have her on. And <laughs> even just as the topic has kind of come to the surface, I just am like, yep, I can totally see how the Lord wanted this conversation. So, I mean, you and I both, we've both experienced brokenness of this world in various ways mm-hmm. at this point in our life. I mean, we get that that's, that's part of our experience here in this mm-hmm broken world. And yet as Christians, you know, we do want to have our lives, even in the brokenness, um, be marked by, you know, that peace that passes all understanding and a deep resounding joy that can be, you know, it extends beyond hard circumstances. And I definitely Mm -hmm. see this in you. And also, you know, it's a fight at times and things can steal our joy and things can creep into our lives and into our minds and into our hearts and discourage us. So, so for you, you know, what is one of the main things in your life that can tend to rob you of joy? Well, (laughs) the things that truly steal me of joy are the things that tend to reveal my sin. Mm. And I don't like admitting that. And even, you know, when you had asked me to talk about this topic, there was resistance because I knew I was going to have to bring up some ugly things that that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. Um, You have, you know, I have to admit, I fall short. I'm not always right. I'm wrong. I make mistakes. I fail. I drop the ball. I disappoint people. I don't do and say the things that I should or think that I should. Mm Um, and so honestly, perfectionism and my desire to be in control Hmm. reveal that sin and they steal my joy, um, if it's used incorrectly. And I say incorrectly because I believe there's a right and a wrong way to utilize perfectionism and being a perfectionist. Hmm. Um, I, God created me with this personality, with that bent, um, towards perfectionism and, wanting things to be just right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I use that for his glory, um, that that is a beautiful thing. But when I use it for my glory and in my strength, I tend to abuse it. Mm. Um, the So if you, and, and I know you're into the Enneagram. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, and I am too. And so the Enneagram calls the perfectionist the type one reformer. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I'm just going to read because I think their definition is better than what I could yeah. try to come yeah. up with on my own. So um, the Enneagram's definition is the rational, idealistic type, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. They're conscientious, ethical, with a strong sense of right and wrong. They're teachers, which I'm a teacher, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> crusaders, advocates for change, always striving to improve things, but afraid of making mistakes. Mm. Well-organized, orderly, um, they try to maintain high standards, but can slip into being critical. Um, they have problems with resentment and impatience. And oh my goodness, mm. impatience mm. is, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and compassion as well. Um, and at their best, they're wise, discerning, realistic, and noble. Mm. And, you know, honestly, having a mission to, to improve the world, to strive for higher values, restore order, seek greater good, being wise and discerning and truthful, living a life of integrity, those are good things. Mm. That's mm. what God created perfectionists to do. Mm. But mm. it's usually when my pride and my selfishness rear its ugly head. Because that desire of wanting to be in control and being right, that's when that sin creeps in. And then I become judgmental and I expect immediate change. Mm-hmm. And I can just justify faults. And mm-hmm. I have this fear of failure. And that's my sin being revealed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think our culture can really glamorize this um, in, you know, the perfect job, the perfect home, perfect family, um, perfect wardrobe and body and food and and you you name it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone has their own idea of perfectionism, but, you know, just stopping and thinking whose standards are you measuring by Hmm. and at what cost? Hmm. Yeah, and, that's a great question. You know, for me, cost? when perfectionism is carried out without selfishness and prideful motives, um, it's destructive. And mm. I trample over the people that I love the mm. most. Mm. Well, that's honest. And I think also very relatable. I think a lot of people will be able to see that in their own life and heart, too. And I do love all that you brought out from the Enneagram's definition and just... Um, kind of pushing that um, against how our world does tend to glamorize it. Like you said, I mean, Eric just reminded me the other day about that Lexus car commercial that kind of promotes the pursuit of perfection and just how appealing they make it. But yeah, there is confusion about what true, you know, real paralyzing, harmful perfectionism is. Um, And like you said, I mean, just when it's used incorrectly, when there's, you know, a sense of um, just not wanting to fail ever or always wanting to be in control. It is, mm-hmm. it's so damaging, not to your own soul, but to the people around you. Um, yes. And, you know, I, as I was kind of getting ready for this episode and just kind of picking the brains of some people that I came into contact with this past week, um, you know, it, it was interesting to kind of think about the motivation behind trying to be perfect. You know, it seems like it kind of either centers around, like you said, the desire to not fail, to do everything right, to be in control. Um, But there was also just this strong um, kind of idea of acceptance, um, whether that be acceptance of self or acceptance of others or even feeling accepted by God. I mean, this is kind of a Mm -hmm. side question, but I mean, has that played into your struggle with perfection as well? Like just not feeling good enough 
for God, not feeling like you'll, you can be fully loved and accepted if you're known by others. Um, and if this is too personal of a question, I mean, you can totally answer it generally, but just what are your thoughts on the driving factor of perfectionism? I mean, you, you mentioned sin and I I definitely agree with that, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of more on the, you know, day-to-day practical level of how it plays out. Um, where do you see acceptance of self or others or God play in? Yeah, definitely. I, um, man, even as a child, I just remember I was a people pleaser and Mm -hmm. just didn't want to be a failure or didn't want to disappoint anyone. Um, and then also with my relationship with Christ, um, just not feeling like how could God love me? Because, you know, because I liked on the outside to appear that, I'm good. Everything's good. I do everything right. But on the inside, I totally knew I was a mess. And so I thought, okay, if God sees me, (laughs) he sees that. Mm -hmm. And um, that, wow, that was really hard to come to grips with of like, how could God love a person like me? Um, But you know, he does, he created me and he knows me intimately. And he even knows me more than I know myself. And so, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. definitely that driving, um, people pleasing, just wanting to, mm-hmm. um, you know, always just do the right thing and look good doing it. You yeah. Know? Oh, exactly. Exactly. And just, you know, right before we got on too, I was like, I should just Google, you know, what the definition is of perfectionism too. And, you know, there was a real strong, um, idea of just the refusal to accept anything short of perfection and kind of almost even yeah. holding to the belief that, perfection is attainable, right? And like, yes, yes, just like anything short of perfection is unacceptable. And there was even a link to a study that said, you know, um, perfectionism is linked often to, you know, a lot of mental health issues like depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. and eating disorders, self-harm, self-obsessive compulsive disorder, and just, you know, just these things that lead, you know, you get there from trying to attain something that is impossible on this earth. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, perfection is what's to come. I mean, Christ is perfect. Heaven is perfect. This world is broken and not perfect. And so constantly trying to attain something that you can't get here on earth is, is almost maddening. And, and I know like, I do not struggle a lot with perfectionism, but I live with somebody who has struggled with it his whole life. And my husband, Eric has done a lot of work, um, on this in his own life and just seeing him struggle with, with perfectionism, mostly in the early years of our marriage, it just, it's given me a big heart for others who are wanting freedom from living this way. And as his wife, I mean, it's such a joy to see his progress. And really, it's not a big struggle for him as much anymore. I just, Mm -hmm. I see so much peace and freedom and joy and rest just kind of permeating through his life. And it goes back to what you just said, like coming to the point of realizing that God knows you better than you know yourself, better than anyone else knows you, and he loves you. And then this has been the key part for Eric, and he likes you. Yes. <laughs> like that, that's hard <laughs> yeah. to understand and wrap our brains around. I mean, it's hard for everybody to kind of get that concept, but especially mm-hmm. for a perfectionist, you know, to embrace you know, truths like are in Romans 8 of just knowing that as believers, you know, the Holy Spirit is producing works in us that are good and righteous and they delight the Father. Like that delight word and just reading things in scripture where, 
you know, God truly does delight in his own. And because if you just focus in on God loving you, I mean, we all can give an example of somebody that we love, but we really don't enjoy, (laughs) you know? And so if we're only focusing in on God loves me, then, you know, we can bring some of our human baggage along with that of like, well, yeah, but I love so-and-so and they really annoy me and I don't really want to spend that much time with them, but I always will love them, <laughs> you know? And so it's really kind of getting back to the idea of like, it's not earning our salvation. It's not earning God's love. We are enough. You know, the spirit is producing his fruit in our lives. Um, and that delights God. Yes, yes. And there is a verse and I, it's in the Old Testament. I don't remember where it is off the top of my head, but um, it talks about God delighting over you. Yeah, and yes, just yes. that, you know, yeah. And I think it, it is, even said he more, sings it's, over it's us. that enjoying, you know, mm-hmm. we, um, part of our, if you, you know, what is our purpose in life? Well, it's to bring God glory and to enjoy him forever. Well, mm-hmm. that's reciprocal. He enjoys us too, because he created us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that, that enjoyment and that delight. And, um, you had also mentioned freedom and, oh my goodness, there is such a freedom in, in Christ of, you know, so these perfectionism bonds, yes, I, I tend to, you know, go that direction, but man, there is freedom in Christ where, Mm. you know, the struggle isn't as bad as it used to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And that is the ongoing work. You know, it's, it's important and it's good work, but it's hard work. Um, well, let's jump back again to, to the struggle. I mean, even knowing all of these things that God says about us are true. I mean, we are enough. We are fully known, accepted and loved. Um, and like you said, I mean, God, God even rejoices over us. I think it says with gladness and singing. I mean, Mm -hmm. But um, if this is an area that you struggle with, I mean, it will keep creeping back in. We all have our things that we deal with. And so for you, when you start to begin, you know, feeling the weight of perfectionism crushing you or starting to steal your joy, what are some practical things that you try to do, you know, to, to fight it? Can you give us an example or two? Sure. Yeah. I um, was singing Let It Go long before it was a thing. (laughs) I love that. Because I realized my worst enemy became me, myself, and I, and my thoughts. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Because it starts in my thoughts. And um, so perfectionism um, began as a thought pattern. And I realized, okay, I can either use this for God's glory or my own glory. Mm-hmm. I can either um, be perfect in God's strength, or I can futilely strive per- for perfection in my own strength. Um, and so I would just fight for joy and perfectionism by stopping my thoughts. Mm. And sometimes that's like totally stopping what I'm doing. I mean, like freeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and taking my thoughts captive. Um, second Corinthians 10, five says to destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Mm. So if my thoughts aren't aligning up to God's truth and his word, I'm not supposed to have that thought. And Mm. so I take that thought, I give it to God and I replace it with something that is truth, Mm. something from God's word. Mm -hmm. Um, Often um, I will recite the verse Philippians 4, 8 to think on things that are true, honorable, right, Mm. pure, lovely, and good. Um, And sometimes it seems like I am taking thoughts captives all 
day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just this repetitive process. But I think that practice is, you know, like a muscle. You have to exercise that muscle for it to get strong. And I have to exercise these thoughts mm-hmm. <laughs> to, you know, to get them strong in the Lord and not strong in myself. Mm. Because when I'm working in my own strength and for my own glory, it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It is not joyful at all. Um, yeah. Another thing that I've learned to do um, with that perfectionism is, um, for example, you know, after teaching a Bible lesson that went really well, or that, you know, I direct the kids Christmas musical. And if that was a success or vacation Bible school or an Easter event or something, um, you know, I do, I love man's applause. I truly Mm -hmm, do. I love mm -hmm. those compliments and encouragement and affirmation. Um, But then I've learned to treat them like if I get a dozen roses, you know, after that, which I mean, you know, hypothetically, (laughs) just getting a dozen roses. I'm smelling those roses. I enjoy them for a minute and then I give them to God because it was for him anyway. And it was Mm -hmm. for his glory. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, taking that time because yeah, God chose to use me in that, but ultimately everything is from him and for him. And Mm. so, um, just wanting to declare and display the gospel in that way of just, you know, And man, that is a mind process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I think you bring up a good point, too, because, you know, there the it's in the contrast of, you know, it's not wrong to want people to tell you good job. I mean, that's how we keep Mm -hmm. going a lot of times in life is with encouragement and people coming alongside and cheering you on. And it's Mm -hmm. just is that what you're living for? Is that what you're doing it all for? Is that like if you don't get that, are you still able to be content and still able to you know, keep pressing on in life. I think that's the contrast is like, it's, yeah. it's not wrong to want people to tell you, you know, encourage you, but right, it's just, right. it kind of, you know, perfectionism creeps in when it's like, if, you know, that's kind of what you're doing it all for, that's what you're living for. If you don't get that, mm-hmm. it's like, it didn't really even matter, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, those are great examples. Those are great examples of kind of how it's playing out in your life. Is there, other things, I mean, how, you know, and I would love for you to just even think about like when you started to realize that you had tendencies towards perfectionism, like when you even learned to maybe even give it that name or just how over the years it has, you know, just how it's played out in your life. I'm sure it's different. It'll look different for different people. But for you, like on a normal day or during the course of a normal week, I mean, how do you, how does it show up? Um, and then like, how does it steal, how does it steal your joy? Like, how did you discover this is a negative thing for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've been thinking about this a lot. So my answer might be kind of long here. Um, I was looking back to even my elementary school years where I even wanted my schoolwork to be perfect. I wanted it to Mm -hmm. look neat, turn it in on time, have the right answer, get a good grade. Um, and these things are good. I mean, those mm-hmm. are things that should happen. Right. Um, but I, then it becomes an obsession and mm-hmm. that's the turning corner of, oh, maybe I have a problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I also remember cleaning my room and my bathroom and wanting everything to be perfect and in its place. Um, then even as, you know, Jerry and I were married and the girls were little, um, 
I would reload the dishwasher. I would re-vacuum. I would mm-hmm. repack a suitcase, refold the laundry just because they didn't do it up to my expectation. Yeah. And yeah. I felt there was a right way to do it. And, um, then I kind of moved into giving other people suggestions and pointers of like, hmm, you know, you can meet my expectations if, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is a right way to do this. Um, and then when the girls were little, I even remember I quit scrapbooking because I just couldn't complete my scrapbooks up to my own expectations. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I, you know, when I was teaching, I was complimented with, you know, wow, you have good classroom management. And um, when my girls were little, wow, your girls, you know, are really disciplined well and behaved. And, and it's because I was so focused on behavior modification and not shaping their hearts, which is a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I was, you know, I was doing everything in my own strength with high expectations. And all of a sudden I kind of realized, oh, wow, I'm getting angry and my heart is hardening. Hmm. Um, Hmm. I was not seeking first the kingdom of God and glorifying him in all things. I had created a kingdom of Sarah Hmm. and I was glorifying her. Hmm. Um, And it was ugly and exhausting and Um, I'm sure I left a lot of rubble behind (laughs) Mm. in those years. Um, I remember my oldest daughter did something. She got in trouble. I sent her to her room. I gave her some time to think about it. And then I went up um, to go talk about her attitude and actions. And man, this makes me cry because I Mm. hate to admit this. Mm -hmm. Um, But we started arguing and I got angry with her. And I'm sure my face looked angry. I raised my voice. I think I was practically yelling at her and I raised my arms because I was so frustrated and she flinched. Mm -hmm. And you know, I thought, Oh my goodness, did she think I was going to hit her? Mm -hmm. Did she, is she's, you know, I just saw this fear of Mm -hmm. like, who have I become? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I stopped and I just sobbed because I thought I am out of, you know, as much as I wanted control, I was out of control. Right, right. Um, And then I remember another time with my youngest daughter, she, we were at a park, she scraped her knee really bad on these climbing rocks that were there. And instead of coming alongside her and showing her compassion and care and concern, you know, are you okay? I got angry. Hmm. And I wasn't angry at her. I wasn't angry that she hurt her knee. I was angry that I couldn't control her not getting hurt. Hmm. Hmm. And I thought, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. those were a couple yeah. eye openers that you've got an anger problem and this has spiraled out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm so thankful, Sarah, that you're willing to share those examples that are vulnerable and real and honest and open because it is going to be so relatable for people and will help give a better picture of how this can spiral out of control. And, you know, it is, it's, um, I think the words that you use that are kind of red flags are things like anger, obsession, you know, Mm -hmm. being paralyzed, not able to complete a scrapbook because it, you know, it's, you're not able to do it exactly right. Or, you know, directing this anger, you know, towards people in your life that, um, 
you know, or an obsessive compulsive way of doing things. Um, those are the warning signs. And that's what I think sometimes people have a hard time understanding because they're like, if I just had more perfectionism in my life, it would be great. Like I need more perfection, but it's, there is a huge difference between just wanting to work hard and get things done versus, um, being absolutely like obsessed about doing things a certain way where you are lacking things that scripture wants us to have and tells us we need to have as believers, which is contentment and peace yes. and patience and joy. And, um, you know, that's the ironic thing is we think that we're trying to create and make this beautiful quote unquote perfect life. And really inwardly, we are just, um, falling quickly into despair. <laughs> and yes. you know, when the kids yeah. when the kids were little, I used to watch Dr. Phil. I have no idea if he's still on anymore or not. But when Eric was at work and I just had babies all around me, I was like, I need another adult voice. And his voice always seemed so calming and like just this voice of reason. But anyway, um one phrase he used to say all the time is, Well, how's it working for you? How's it working for you? Yes. And you know, I mean I think the meaning behind that is just we do do things because there is something that's working for us. And so even if we're miserable, you know, even if we see all of these red flags and warning signs, I mean we continue doing it because there's some sort of payoff or some sort of result that we think, you know, is working for us. And, you know, and on this particular topic, I think everybody would agree that ultimately perfectionists do get a lot done. I mean, they're great to have on your team. (laughs) You know, bosses love, you know, when they have perfectionists on their team, you know, they accomplish a lot. They do things really well. They're fun to follow on Instagram. Their life looks perfect, right? So, but even though, you know, like inwardly, you might be miserable. Like sometimes these patterns, they continue though, because of the seemingly good end results. But You know, like you said, I think that's like a huge question is at what cost, at what cost, which I mean, that's another thing he used to say is like, well, it works for you until it doesn't. And, you know, I mean, and I agree, like perfectionism might work for people to some level for some period of time, but eventually, you know, you just, you can't accept ordinary days anymore. It, everything has to be perfect and and this certain way and you know if every day is spectacular and perfect then no day really is spectacular and perfect right like we all need ordinary days we all are going to have okay days you know and then Mm. the extraordinary days the really good days really can be enjoyed and feel and feel special you know and I think um boy you just brought out some really good things I think the paralyzing idea is a huge one I've seen that with different people in my life too that it's like they just can't even get started on a project because they're paralyzed by not knowing exactly the perfect way to do it. Or they start it and it's not going as planned. And so they just quit. And so there mm-hmm. is a no- whole other that- side of perfectionism that's not just getting everything done really well. I mean, there are perfectionists who their life is just crumbling. <laughs> and that actually, that kind of comes to my second point that the really the big turning point um, in my life after I realized I have an anger problem, (laughs) Mm -hmm. then, um, I, there was a circumstance. I was kind of at my wits end. Um, and no, I don't hear an audible voice from God, but a question went through of my head of, do you trust me? Do you Mm. trust God with this? Mm. And I responded out loud in an angry voice. No, God, I don't trust you. (laughs) Mm. And Mm. again, I stopped. And I couldn't believe that I had just said that, 
but I realized it was true and I wasn't trusting God. I was trusting my self-sufficiency. Hmm. Um, hmm. Not only was I angry um, and controlling, I was being completely self-sufficient. I was doing all of the, and like you said, I was getting a lot of things done. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing them well. And, um, you know, so for the person on the outside looking in, they're thinking, wow, she's productive and she's getting things done. And, but you know, it's, I was no different than a Pharisee looking all righteous and happy and content Mm. and put together on the outside. Mm. But on the inside, man, was I such a hypocrite? Mm. I was an ugly mess and I just knew I couldn't do this anymore. Mm. And it was kind of at that point because God knows me best Mm -hmm. and he knows what's best for me that my little kingdom of perfectionism became to crumble, began to crumble. Mm. And I praise God for that Mm. because there were several circumstances in my life that I could not control. And I couldn't even be angry because it just took every emotion out of me that Mm. I had. Mm. And, you know, and some of those things, um, my oldest daughter was diagnosed with type one juvenile diabetes at Mm. age 10. Mm -hmm. Um, our grandma had passed away mm-hmm. and I was a wreck because mm-hmm. I was really going through a lot of these things at that time. Uh, and I remember yeah. I bawled through her entire memorial service and I could not get a grip. Mm-hmm. It was just, mm-hmm. um, yeah. let's see what else. Um, my good friend and my mentor um, left due to an affair and divorce. Our church went through a horrible church split um, Jackson died. Mm-hmm. My best friend died of breast cancer. And then six months later, I lost another dear friend to cancer. Mm. Um, and not only were they my best friends, they were the mothers of my daughter's best friends. Mm-hmm. And so it affected our whole family. Yeah. Um, and then this past fall, my husband's best friend died of brain cancer, who was the husband of my best friend. Oh my goodness. Yeah, being, I know. You know, a second yeah. wife and his three kiddos behind. And, and there were just so many other circumstances of death, depression, anger, anxiety, health issues, um, just disappointment and frust- frustration um, that just helped me learn to relinquish that controlling, angry self-sufficiency that I had. And that I needed to trust God. I Mm. needed to find my strength and joy in him and him alone and not the things that I was doing or accomplishing or, um, you know, succeeding at that's all temporal and it totally fades away. And in eternity, the only thing that's going to matter is God's word and Mm. God's people. Um, and, you know, and so just clinging to the hope of Christ Mm. and the hope of salvation. Wow. Uh, Wow. Because I was realizing, you know, God commands us to love him and love people. Um, I cling to my to-do list pretty hard (laughs) (laughs) and I will trample over people to accomplish my to-do list. Mm. And, I'm not loving God or loving people when I'm doing that. I'm loving myself. Mm. Um, And so that coming to that realization of, hmm, all right, there's, there's that turning point. Yeah. Well, and if we're honest, a to-do list is more gratifying, easier to manage, (laughs) more satisfying, knocking things off (laughs) than going in the messiness of relationships and people and loving other people well and serving them. And, 
getting to know the Lord. I mean, these are all things that, of course, yeah, those are what we're supposed to be doing. But if we have a to-do list um, that we can just, you know, happily check everything off at, by ourselves at home, like that, sometimes that <laughs> is just feels a lot less messy, a lot easier, a lot more gratifying, but it isn't what we're called to do and it will leave us empty. And, you know, like, like you said, I mean, when things kind of fall apart, we find out that, you know, perfectionism isn't the reliable friend that we need during that. Like mm-hmm. perfectionism mm-hmm. is much more easier, you know, to be maintained when life is going well, when everything, you know, I remember somebody in my life one time saying, if everything would just go like perfectly, like life would be great. I was like, mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like, I've said that. Yes, but it's, I mean, it's so true. It's like, why can't everything just go the way that it should go? And then life would be great. And perfectionism and, and you know, struggling with that actually can be pretty managed and maintained when, when life is going well. But God's uncomfortable grace, you know, that's what um, Paul Tripp calls it, you know, it swoops in and with things like diabetes and things like cancer and things that, you know, death and, and all kinds of hard things, it comes in and it shows us that, no, you need something more. You need a God who is worthy to be trusted. And so obviously that's a huge thing that you're learning about God. I mean, I, when we, when we struggle and we have these hard things in life, we, we learn a lot about ourselves. We learn a lot about our, um, the world we live in. We learn a lot about others. Um, but we do learn a lot about God. And so you've already touched on this. We just talked about, you know, your struggle to really, can I really trust God? But what are a couple other things? Are there other things that you've learned about God specifically as you've dealt with perfectionism? Yes, definitely. Um, it kind of, it takes me back to, um, the 10 commandments because, um, those 10 commandments that God gave Moses, um, is that perfect picture of who God is and God, you know, if you kind of go down those 10 commandments, um, we know that God is holy and righteous and loving and faithful and truthful and zealous. And though by those 10 commandments, those are the things, um, you know, that we're not, you think of them as like, you know, things we're not supposed to do, but then looking at them as a reflection of who God is, because Mm -hmm. again, instead of making it all about me and how, you know, well, this is a list of things I shouldn't do, Mm -hmm. but it's a picture of, God and who God is and you know just have no other gods before me because he is the one true holy God hmm. um you know do not lie well God never lies he is the God of truth and um do not commit adultery well God is faithful he keeps his promises he'll never leave us or forsake us and then in that also looking at those 10 commandments I've broken all of them, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. no, I haven't had an affair, but, you know, in Matthew scripture tells us, you know, if you look on someone with lust, you have committed adultery in your heart mm-hmm. and, you know, man, that's, you know, coveting and, and lying and, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, stealing, you know, no, I might not go to a store and, you know, steal a fur coat or something, but I have stolen God's glory and time. And, you know, there's, there's other things that I steal that aren't maybe material things. Hmm. Um, and just understanding that, you know, I fall so, so short of his standard because his standard is perfection because he's holy Hmm. and, um, real in that just really, 
gave me a better understanding of who God is and who I am and, you know, that, that I, I am dead without Mm. Christ. Mm. And, um, that's why Jesus came to live that perfect life that I could never live. Mm. Died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice that I could never be. Mm. And, um, you know, God placed faith in my heart so I would believe. And so when God sees me, he sees his son, Jesus, who Mm. atoned and took away my sin, um, because there's no way I could ever fully keep those 10 commandments because that's perfection. That's who God is. Mm, mm-hmm. I love that. I love how in your, you know, in your struggle with perfectionism, as you run to the Lord and look to him, he shows you that he is the only true perfect one, you know, yes. so it's, you're striving and struggling and trying to attain this. And really he's saying, come to me, if you want perfection, come to me. And, um, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, if somebody is listening right now and they're like, Oh my word, everything Sarah is saying is exactly how I'm feeling. Um, maybe this is something that I need to start thinking about and addressing in my own life. They're feeling either paralyzed or angry or discouraged or obsessed, you know, with trying to do everything right. And what's some encouragement you would have for them? What kind of advice would you give them today? Yeah, I think, you know, and going back to taking those thoughts captive, um, and, and like I said, that's an exercise. It's, it's a choice. It's, um, you know, making your will, his God's will, um, of just taking those thoughts captive. And I think also just, man, accepting the truth, that is pretty hard because, as a perfectionist, I, I can justify things pretty well. Mm, mm. <laughs> and um, just allowing God's word to kind of flow over me and, and hearing some of that truth and saying, yeah, that's me. And, mm. and like I said, I don't like looking at my sin. I don't like when another layer of sin is revealed Um, because that means I have to deal with it right (laughs) and you know so perfectionism I have other things to do not Mm. that (laughs) and um, so I yeah I would just encourage people to you know run to the Lord find someone who can help keep you accountable Hmm. who can come alongside you and encourage you and ask you, you know, how are you doing? And specifically with specific things mm. and, you know, taking it to the Lord and praying and, and repenting and, mm. um, you know, truly letting go, yeah. letting go. Yeah. I love that. And I do, I love that you brought in, you know, community and just how we are called to confess our sins to one another and to help each other carry our burdens. And so, Yeah, there is a lot we can do with just uh, taking thoughts captive and things work we need to do in our mind and in our heart. But um, to actually say it out loud to somebody across the table or -hmm. on the other end of the phone um, who can come alongside and be an encouragement and be help us keep um, be accountable and also just, um, you know, to just remind us that we're not alone in these things that we have to battle in in this world as we, um, you know, all have our have our thing for sure. 
Well, we kind of need to start wrapping up and I want to, I want to just quickly touch on 2020, everybody's <laughs> favorite topic, right? Yes. Um, just such a crazy and weird year, but I, I really value your wisdom and your insight. So I just want to hear a little bit while I have you here on the phone about what you learned this past year as you kind of reflect and continue to process, you know, just the craziness of it all. Are there a couple things that you're taking away from 2020 that you want to carry over into hopefully a soon life post pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes. I, man, my trust and my dependence on the Lord has um, deepened even more. Um, When everything shut down in March, um, Mm. that shut down children's ministry and preschool. Mm. And there was this moment of panic of, I might not have a job. I might not have the opportunity to work with our kiddos and parents and co-laborers. And um, it just, it was just kind of like, what am I going to (laughs) do? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, as a perfectionist, I'm a planner, I'm an organizer. I have my ducks in a row and my ducks were no longer in a row because (laughs) I didn't know what was going to happen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And there was something in one of our Marco Polos that, Um, you said that really stuck with me. Um, You had said in the midst of the unknown, when you don't know, go back and think of what you do know. Hmm. And so during, you know, 2020, I was really clinging to the attributes of God because that's what I do know. I know that God is creator, sustainer, all knowing, all powerful, faithful, good, kind, righteous, gracious. Um, And you know, I had to be flexible and I, I am flexible, but to a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So not only did I need to make a plan A and a plan B, but maybe C, D, E, F, G, you know, on mm, down the alphabet mm-hmm. and thinking, you know, and just learning it's okay. It's okay to be flexible and just to really hold things loosely. I, I like to grip on the things mm. and call them mine. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the Lord just is really showing me how to let go of those things, hold things loosely. Cause again, this life is temporary. We, Mm. um, I think in the screw tape letters, they talk about the past and the present and the future and eternity. Mm. And if we can just focus on our past and our future, we're not thinking about our present and our eternity. Mm. And so often that's where my thoughts can go mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. what did we do in the past? How do we need to improve this? How can we make this better? Mm-hmm. You know, and the future of what does it hold? Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. just learning to hold those things loosely and just gladly submitting to God's plans with mm. flexibility and adaptability. Mm, I love that. Um, I love that. One thing that we did walk away with, um, was we had to invent new ways to do some things yeah. and found that those were better ways than what we had been doing in the past. So. <laughs> That's so good and interesting and true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. When we are stretched in that way and we have to kind of think of new ways to look at things or do things, you're right. We get creative and some, I mean, Eric's definitely seen that in his job for sure. There's things that I'm sure they will never go back to because yeah. they've had to figure out new ways and it does work better sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. But I do love too just the overarching theme that you've said throughout this whole time of talking too of just loving God and loving others. I mean, I think that that's a good perspective from 2020 as well of just that's what matters. Yeah. That's what we're called to. Um, that's really where we are going to find um, true joy and peace and freedom that all of our hearts, whatever our issue is that we're struggling with, whatever our kind of besetting sin or struggles in life. I mean, it's, you know, pursuing the deeper love of God for God, pursuing mm-hmm. a deeper love for others. Um, you know, that's, I think, something that having the world go crazy has helped me put into better perspective for sure. Yes. Well, yeah. last question. We've been talking about, you know, just the big picture of fighting for joy through through hard things, um, difficult things like perfectionism and even just, you know, stresses and struggles like we just talked about in 2020 and how those things can steal our joy. But um, there are ways that we can bring more joy into our lives in smaller ways, too. And I always like bringing this out because it can be overwhelming sometimes to think about just fighting for joy in these deep, dark, hard things in life. But there's ways to um, experience what I call simple joys as well. And I love asking my guests just about um, small, simple joys that you are loving right now. It can be anything, but what are a couple of things that you're finding joy in in a smaller way in life right now? Well, I thought of two things. Um, the first thing, we live kind of out in the country and our house faces Southwest. And I'm not a morning person, but um, <laughs> we bought some rocking chairs that are out on our front porch. And I love to watch the big sky sunsets at mm, night mm. Um, and just watch the stars come out. And it's just brilliant and mm, beautiful. And mm. that is a simple joy, just enjoying. For sure. God's beauty. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. And the second thing, so I I like to shop, but I do not like to shop for clothes for myself. I just, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> so <laughs> this fall, I signed up for Stitch Fix. Oh, yeah. And I have the best personal designer. She's, I, I've never met her, but, you know, I've told her what I liked and I don't like, and she sends me cool stuff. That's so, so awesome. I love it. Yeah. Good. That's been fun. <laughs> Good. Oh, that is fun. And just getting a box and like, whoa, what did she pick out for me? Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> I love like it. Christmas once a month. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, Sarah, this has been just a really re- rich and you know, just deep, important conversation just around a topic that is personal. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. your willingness to be vulnerable and and open. And um, I know it's going to resonate with, with people and touch their lives as well. So um, mm-hmm. is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you're like, oh, I want to say one more thing on anything? Or, or do you feel like this is a good a good place to bring it to a close? Yeah, I think I think it's good. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing and as your cousin and as your friend and most importantly your sister in Christ. I'm just thankful for you and um just really grateful we could record this episode together. Yes, thank you Jody. I I love you and I'm so grateful for you as well in my life. So, thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. 
I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.